The Hexbloods from Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft are one of 5e's newest creations, sure to be coming to a game table that you're playing at soon. Essentially a reimagining of the changelings of old, Hexbloods are born either through curses, wishes, prevalent fey magic, or through the machinations of hags. The result is a crown-like set of horns, brightly colored, often sigil-inscribed skin, and some truly interesting fey magic powers. Stay tuned for today's episode if any of this sounds interesting to you. If you've dug through the less Disney-friendly fairy tales, you'll find a lot of kids getting kidnapped and swapped out for freaky fairy creatures like the humanoid version of a cuckoo bird. In earlier editions of D&D, we established that these baby swaps were the principal method in which we got new hags, which are basically powerful witch-like fae creatures. They used to be called changelings, but 5e has decided to mix things up just a little bit. Hexbloods roll up the old changeling lore into a broader set of origins. Some Hexbloods are still the result of baby-swapping fae shenanigans, but now it also includes those blessed or cursed by fae creatures those that were simply raised in Feywild, and even Fey creatures that have been punished and transformed into mortals. Hexbloods are wonderfully blank canvases when it comes to design, as you can have a few general consistent elements and a ton of stuff that was left vague for you to play with. The constant elements all equate to a generally magic or Fey appearance, including pointed or forked ears and very non-standard skin tones. They also have perpetually long hair that magically regrows when cut. The rest is really completely up to you. We'll get more into the mechanical implications in just a second, but Hexbloods are a lineage, not a race. Anybody could run into a fey curse or something like that and become a Hexblood from their original form. Do you want your Hexblood to be part goblin, part orc, part dwarf, part elf, or do you want to double down on the horns thing by going tiefling? In the end, these will mostly be cosmetic changes, but it'll go a long way towards informing your character's look and backstory. How you became a Hexblood and whether or not it's an ongoing issue for you is something I consider rather important. For those Hexbloods created by hags, you may well have a hag somewhere getting ready for the right time to transform you into a full hag. Were you swapped at birth? Were you simply born too close to some fey woods? Were you blessed with your Hexblood powers as a wish or something other than that? There's a lot of room for you to get creative, and I suggest that you take all the advantage of it that you can. You can even become a Hexblood mid-campaign if your DM feels like it's a good pickup from some fake curse that you came into contact with, or if you're just getting bored with your character. The actual physical descriptions of Hexbloods are very vague and brief, giving us only lurid shades to describe your skin. The official artworks, however, give us examples including bright purples, sky blues, and light greens. We also see most Hexbloods covered in complex and possibly magical tattoos and markings which may be a cultural choice, or more interestingly, they may be natural patterns on their skin. If you go for the straight-up hag origins, they've definitely color-matched the hexbloods to hags, but it isn't mandatory. Really, we've got a blank slate, and you can do practically anything you want with your hexblood in this cosmetic fashion. Called an Elder Cross or a Witch's Turn, each hexblood has unique horns or some sort of familiar growths that form a sort of crown or garland shape on their heads. When designing your Hexblood, these special horns are a great place to tie into your origins. You could go for the particularly jagged and spiky crowns for a cursed origin, a leafy garland for a green hag origin, or perhaps something that looks almost genuinely regal for a blessing origin. Much like tiefling horns, your Hexblood Elder Cross is a point of uniqueness that you should consider when making your character. 
I touched upon this earlier, but in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, this introduced lineages as a sort of alternative to races, and Hexbloods are designed as a lineage as opposed to a race, which, much like the Dampier and the Reborn, are a bit different. You can create a Hexblood during character creation using only the Hexblood stats. You can create a Hexblood during character creation using another race's stats that are then modified by the Hexblood stats. Or you can create a character using a different race who then becomes a Hexblood during the campaign and has their stats modified to Hexblood stats, which is typically the route people take if they want to change up their character that they have become attached to, or perhaps more accurately, attached to and slightly bored of mechanically. As this is a lineage rather than a race, what exact features a Hexblood has are a bit malleable. Starting with your ability score increase, if you make your Hexblood from scratch, you have to follow the lineage rules for picking out your ability scores. Lineages don't have presets on your ability scores, instead you simply put plus 2 in an ability score of your choice, and plus 1 in another ability score of your choice. Or you can put plus 1 in 3 different ability scores. Where it gets weird is what happens if you take a race and transform into a Hexblood. The book uses some very loose and funky wording, but best I can figure, you'll have to replace the existing ability score bonuses of your race with the pick-whatever-mode of lineage. For those of you that have watched our Dampier and Reborn videos, you are starting to see the similarities at this point, I am sure. As with the other lineages, you get to choose whether to be small or medium when you create your Hexblood. This is obviously to accommodate any race that you want to use as your original form from before when you turned into a Hexblood. When it comes to speed, Hexbloods get the standard 30 feet of movement, nothing special, but keep in mind you won't get to keep faster movement speeds from base races, but you'll improve over slower movement speed from base races. Your Ancestral Legacy is the part of your race that you get to keep when you make the transformation into a Hexblood, while everything else practically gets thrown out. If your base race gives you any skill proficiencies, you get to keep them, or if your base race had any alternate movement speeds, such as climb, fly, or swim, you also get to keep those as well. And if your base race didn't provide you with any proficiencies or special movement types, you instead get to gain proficiency with any two skills of your choice. Hexbloods also get dark vision, which seems to come with just about every non-human race, but nevertheless, I really adore it whenever I do get it, so no complaints there. And then we have the infamous Eerie Token. Like hags and other fey beings that grant boons in the form of tokens, you can rip a part of yourself off and hand it to somebody as a magical token. This doesn't hurt you, and you can be as creepy or innocuous about it as you like when you pluck a fingernail, a tooth, or a lock of hair to give to somebody. While somebody else has your token, they can do one of the two following things. You can send telepathic messages to whoever has your token so long as they are within 10 miles of you, Incredibly useful, but it's only one way, and your token holder can't talk back. And combined with the second half of this feature, I think you'll find most Hexbloods become the communications officer of the party. You can also, while within 10 miles of your token, can enter a trance and shift your perceptions over to the token, much in the same way that you can see through your familiar. This is especially useful since you can use your telepathic messages at the same time, and since you can see and hear from the token holder and whoever else is nearby, you can essentially talk to them directly. The catch is that once you break your trance, the token breaks, so this level of communication isn't perfectly free or convenient necessarily. Finally, the token will only stay magic until you finish a long rest, and whenever you finish a long rest, whatever bit you ripped off to become the token magically regrows. Hex Magic lets you cast the spells Disguise Self and Hex once each per long rest. Both spells are excellent, and you'll likely get a lot of use out of them even in later tiers. 
What's even more impressive is they also got added to your known spells for whatever class you play. And you get to choose what mental score, intelligence, wisdom, or charisma, you want to use to cast them. Hopefully this is the new gold standard for racial spells, as it's leaps and bounds better than what a lot of existing races get. One thing that is noticeably absent from this list is a languages trait, and that's because the new lineage system doesn't have them. Instead, you know common and one language that you and your DM agree upon, and this really opens up an opportunity for you guys to not only world build, but kind of add more nuances to your character. Races aren't actually that big of a part of your character when it comes down to it, and these new lineages are even less build dependent since your ability score increases are fully adjustable now. Any combination of class and background will work fine for your Hexblood, but if you're interested in making the absolute most of your abilities, there are a few strategies that synergize with the Hexblood features. Starting with the Magic Cat Burglar, as with most of these new lineages, picking up an alternate movement speed from your base race is a solid move, and I particularly like snagging the climbing speed of a Tabaxi for a Hexblood Tabaxi Rogue. The Hexblood Eerie Token feature is perfect for rogues and can act as an emergency line as you sneak past the guards. Being able to both scale walls and freely telepathically talk to your friends on the outside is like being in a spy thriller with active comms on. I personally really like the idea of a tabaxi just breaking off one of its teeth in order to keep communications with the rest of the party. That's just kind of a crudely humorous image that comes to mind. Next up is the Messenger Pigeon Master. As a druid, you'll have access to all sorts of creature summoning abilities, and with your eerie token feature, they can also be walkie-talkie delivery systems. It can be something as simple as giving a hair to the spider you summon, or whatever other tiny creature, and sending them out to keep an eye on a bad guy before you storm a castle. You can enter your trance and become a literal fly on the wall with none of the risks of sneaking into wild shape you'd normally have. And this is one of those things that opens up a myriad of options. You can summon a bird and fly a lock of hair over to a buddy of yours, you can plant a literal bug in someone's office, or you can simply give a lock of hair to a spider, or any other tiny critter, and send them out to keep an eye on someone you don't really trust. You can even enter your trance and become a literal fly on the wall with none of the risks of sneaking in wild-shaped you'd normally have, or even the gold cost of sending in a familiar. If you're running a campaign that involves an emphasis on fey magic or lore, becoming a Hexblood or building a Hexblood character can be a great way to meaningfully ground yourself in the story. Mechanically, it's also a pretty decent get, as are the other lineages we've gotten, quite honestly. Thank you guys so much for watching, I really appreciate it. Be sure to like and subscribe because we put out new videos like this every week. And if you guys have created a Hexblood character that you're really proud of or excited about, I would really like to hear about it down in the comments. Thanks again for watching. My name is Patrick Ferguson from Skull Splitter Dice, and until next time, farewell.